Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am your host, Nicole Cumberbatch, and I have a very, very special guest today. I have Cynthia Eidelman, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist based in South Florida, and she has been in practice for a decade. Cynthia, how are you today? I'm great. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. Same. Me too. Why don't you give my listeners just a little bit more, I guess, high level um, of what you do as a therapist, just very, you know, your background, mommy life, all the things before we dive into the conversation. Yeah, the who is Cynthia Park. Yeah. <laughs> so as you mentioned briefly, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist here in South Florida. But over the past two years, I have ventured into doing more of the parent mentorship side of things. Because as a family therapist and working with children for over a decade, as you mentioned, I've started to realize the same patterns over and over again, which was if we want to raise healthy children, it all starts with the parents who are the guide and the mentors. But being a parent in 2023 is no easy job. It's never been. We're more confused than ever And so what I've done is that all of the evidence-based tools that I know work over and over again, I'm now trying to reach as many parents and families as I can so they feel more confident in the human beings that they are raising. I love that. And I think it's so true. I mean, it's why I do what I do too, because I think if we all know if mom's not good, nobody's good. Um, And I know there are Mm -hmm. resources to help children, but if we just helped mom and gave mom the resources and dads, because let's be honest, like dads are much more involved than they ever were. Um, If we give parents the resources, but moms in particular, because we know moms do all the things, It trickles parent, yeah. Exactly. They tr- it trickles down. So I love that. Let's dive in though. I let's do my icebreaker round. So what is your favorite book mm-hmm. um, or one that you want to even recommend to my listeners? Yeah, for the ones who are seeing over video, I have too many books. <laughs> so answering the question of what's my favorite book, I'm gonna answer what is my current favorite book that I am reading. Sure. And this is a common thread that I have been very into in the last year in my own personal growth as a human being and now as a business owner. And the book I have it right here, it's called Think and Grow Rich. Mm, I've heard of it. It's a very popular book mm -hmm, by Napoleon Hill. And what I love about it is that as women in 2023 and for the past few years, we are becoming what we know as mompreneurs, boss moms, business owners, CEOs, and redefining what it means to be a working woman or a working mom as we are. And I started to realize that if I don't work in my own limiting beliefs as to how far Mm. I can go in my professional development and in my value and my financial value, it was going to be really hard to be and be comfortable saying I am the CEO of my company. So that's the type of work that I'm doing on myself right now and that I encourage very much any woman listening out there to read this book. 
And parenting, I want to say I have it right up there. Uh, the Power of Showing Up mm. by Dr. Dan Siegel and Tina Payne. I highly recommend it. I love it. It's an easy read, very quick, very short in the power of what it means to be raised with a secure attachment. And this is all science-based. And over and over again, I've seen it replicate in front of my eyes with all of my clients. Love it. Thank you. Who and what, and I say what because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we think just people, but who and what has been a part um, of your motherhood village in your personal life and in your entre- entrepreneurial journey? Which is all fused together, right? If one Correct. thing is okay, everything else will be okay. Yes. I'm going to start with the what. And I want to say that being vulnerable, going to therapy, doing coaching, investing in myself as a human being has been key in keeping my mental health, my emotional health, and in being the the vessel, the healthy vessel that my children need, that I need also for my own Mm -hmm. sake, my own mental health, my own confidence. So I keep going whenever I need to, to coaching and to therapy, and it works wonders absolutely to be vulnerable and to find that space and to prioritize myself as a human being. And my husband having the conversations with him and becoming partners, I am most, uh, I take the majority of our parenting responsibilities, but he, and over the past six years in being parents, we have had very deep and intentional conversations as to what I also want, need, and expect Mm -hmm from us as parents. And it hasn't been all always easy or a comfortable conversation, but we have managed to really go deep. Uh, my mom was here all throughout COVID. I couldn't have done it without her. It still pains me to say that she has gone across the world mm-hmm. to Spain. So that it has been really hard to lose her mm-hmm. in that aspect, to be so far away. My dad who's here, very close to my children. And now my in-laws are also here. So I think having that community that you can call and say, please, I need help. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a working mom. My son is sick. Can you help me tomorrow? Is key in being able to do motherhood and not lose it. I love that. Um, and I love, yeah, I think a lot of times, and it's come up in my support groups, it's come up and I'm sure you've had it. Having those conversations with the partners are key. I know I resented my husband very early on when my son was first born. And there were some things, rightfully so, in the sense of me not explaining myself. And I had, to, and I'm very, very very, very thankful that I'm very self-aware. So if I'm feeling things, I'm not just like, oh, it's you. Like I could look in the mirror and say, all right, Nicole, it takes two, right? It takes two Mm -hmm. in this. So what is my responsibility? He can't read mine. He can't read your mind. Um, So I love how you said like really sitting down and being intentional about, okay, well, what does this mean? Like, what -hmm. what am I going to expect? Vice versa. What do you expect from me? What does it mean to be now um, parents together raising this before you were just married and you're a couple and you have your visions and stuff, but now we're raising this little human, right? Who do we want this human Mm -hmm. to be? What are we going to model for him? So I love that. And I love how we're going to dive into this conversation. Okay. So, um, I stalked you because that's what I do for my guests, do my research (laughs) of just like on your website and understanding kind of what your beliefs are, what are your values. And actually, before we start, what are the ages of your children? I think you just have one like me, right? I know, I didn't mention. No, I have two. I have a six-year-old girl and a four-year-old and they're not even, they're 21 months exactly to the date apart. So that was also part of my journey into realizing what was my mission and how can I help other women who I'm sure are on the same 
boat as me. I cannot be the only one who has experienced the emotional distress. A hundred percent. Okay. So for six and four, that's good. So for my listeners, yes. Um, okay. So the first thing I see is conscious parenting. And I want to ask what that is, because I think a lot of times, and I know this is going to open up to other things, um, you hear conscious parenting, mindful parenting, aware parenting, all the things. Talk to me what at the end of it, like I think a lot of people have these misconceptions that it means like, oh, you mm-hmm. let your kid run wild and, you know, it's not what it used to be. Talk to me about what it is um, and why you feel passionate about talking about it and why it's important for parents to understand conscious parenting, aware parenting. I think it's a lot, a lot very similar. Mindful parenting. Yeah. Talk to me about what that is. Yeah. My kids do not run wild. (laughs) We have very clear expectations of what is expected of each and every single one of us. We have very clear non-negotiables that are what other people know as rules and consequences for those. But at the same time, for me, the way that I teach and talk about conscious parenting is in a very relatable way. So I do not scare people away, but at the same time to understand that this is not only about conscious discipline. That's one side of things. Conscious, true conscious parenting is about being aware in your own triggers, being aware on how your past, how your upbringing, your different traumas, if you have any, even just your general upbringing and relationship with your own parents may impact how you act now as a parent and the expectations that you may have about what it means to raise a child or how a child should behave. And for me, the biggest explanation that resonates with a lot of parents, and this is where they come to meet with me and work with me, is to understand that in conscious parenting, we work on that, we focus on the parent-child connection versus having control over our children. I'm not above my children. I'm here to guide them. I don't have control over them. I want to parent with them and have them be involved in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And can you explain the importance of that? Because I understand it, right? I understand it because I've been very, very thankful that this podcast has afforded me <laughs> the opportunity to speak mm-hmm. to experts like yourself. And I, I, it has helped. My little guy's five. I've been carrying this podcast for almost four years. So I've had that. But talk to the to the mom listening that's like, I don't know. What does that mean? It sounds very overwhelming. What is the significance and importance of that? And how, let's say if a mother never incorporated that before, are there ways to start incorporating into their parenting now if maybe they didn't do it before? I think there's different ways to apply it in your day-to-day because that's what people have a struggle with. How, like, what does that mean in my day-to-day? And in your day-to-day, it can be some, something simple, which may not be so simple for you if you've never done this before. But in terms, it is simple of, of providing your child a choice, right? What do you want to wear today? This or this? You pick your clothes for tomorrow Mm -hmm. instead of having a battle in the morning, especially as your children grow, because they don't want to pick what you picked. Or, you know, I hear mom saying, I never go shopping with my daughter because she picks horrible things. She has to dress herself as an adult. How And as she grows as a human being, how is she going to know what she likes or dislikes or to know her body and her own emotions if you don't allow space for your child to express themselves. Mm -hmm. And another important part is being okay with the emotions that they share. 
being okay when they share a dislike. That doesn't mean that they're going that you're go, not going to have the consequence, but that it is okay for them to share. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm sad. I don't agree with you, and have that be a conversation. Conscious parenting is not something that you learn on a post. It's not something that you learn all alive and not even by reading a book. This is something that you have to delve a little bit deeper as to why you feel a need to control. Mm-hmm. And that's so good. It's twofold, right? Yeah. Why <laughs> Internally, why are they triggering you? Why are they making you react that way? What's happening when this happens? I think a lot of times we, we lose sight of that. And then number two, to your point, it's work. Just like your marriage, just like any other relationship, you have to work to gain and keep your child's trust with it. I think, in, and tell me if I'm wrong, but in, inherently, right, we have that immediate trust with our children, where the moms, they were in our rooms, they were all the things. But um, to keep it, because at some point, you know, I think kids could lose sight. And you said about the connection, they're not always going to be connected to you if you continue to have the control. They might always love you, might always be because you, you have that. You're their parent. It's like that. It's like this thing that pulls because you hear people that have been that have had the worst parents, let's say, that have abandoned them and they still want to check for their parents. Right? It's their parents that's going to be there but they might not all feel connected to you. They might not always then, whatever, if you push them away and you said the word space, giving them the space to allow them to do that. I think that's very hard. Um, It's something I had Mm -hmm. to learn of of when my son, I think not taking things personal, right? Talk to me about that. Talk to me about like not taking things personal and then the importance. I guess, yeah, the the flip side of that is if we don't give them space, if we don't Mm -hmm. allow for that, tell on the flip side what can happen (laughs) what are the consequences of that well imagine if you have little kids like we do that are still in that cute toddler becoming children human beings outside of you stage going to kinder all those things that really hits you my my daughter went to kinder for the first time you know last fall I know that's coming up for you I'm here I'll be here for you okay but it's it's two things when they start into the pre-teenage years, teenage years, that now research has shown that is starting younger, mm-hmm. like hormonally, physically, it's happening younger, especially for young girls. Like we mentioned, it's very clear they're not going to come to you. Yeah. Parents who call me and have teenagers are like, my child is not talking to me. Closed doors, always on their phone. How did we, did we set the stage for this? And how can we let them know that even though they close the door, we can open a window Mm. and that maybe they won't come talk to me, but I can let them know that I will be here to listen non-judgmentally, which is really hard sometimes, (laughs) non-reactively to not provide advice and instead just listen. Mm And if that's hard for you, that's maybe when you need to bring in a coach or a therapist or another type of safe space for your child. So that's one. They may just, you may lose trust. They may lose trust in you and create distance. Mm -hmm. I think another hard part that parents have is to be vulnerable enough to repair the rupture that may have been created after you say or do something that you didn't mean. And being the bigger person, the adult in the equation and saying, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm sorry I yelled at you. I know I snapped at you and that was wrong. I'm still setting this limit and I reacted this way because you crossed a limit. But how I reacted towards you, how, how I yelled mm-hmm. at you was not okay. And I apologize for that. 
I love that. Now, um, you have something called the Mindful Mom Method. Can you talk mm-hmm. to me about how and why you developed it? What is it? Um, yeah, all, all the things in that. Mindful Mom Method was a vision that started in around 2020. My four-year-old was born in December 2018, and it was a really big struggle to become a mom of two under two while also being a full-time working mom in a high clinical position and all of the things and all of the expectations. It was really rough for me. I was never diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure even though I I looked for the diagnosis, I was never diagnosed uh, with postpartum anxiety. And I needed to find myself. I was really struggling to find myself, my happiness and my voice and to understand who I wanted to be in this relationship with my children. I started to read a lot. I started to figure out what skills did I have as a therapist that could help me. I looked for my own therapy and little by little, I started to realize that I was not alone in this and how could I create a safe space for moms to truly understand what it means to become a conscious mom. How do we peel back all of the layers and develop all of the true skills that we need to be that parent who is willing to be vulnerable, to say, I'm sorry, to have the intentional conversations with our children, with our spouses, to define what our values are so that we understand how we want to do motherhood and not how we thought we needed to do motherhood and all of the expectations. That's a big big struggle down here. If you're in Miami and I'm I'm from a tight-knit Jewish community, you're expected to do things in a very specific way. And I know a lot of women struggle when they don't want to do things that way. Mm -hmm. So Mindful Mom Method is a group coaching program for moms. Majority of the moms who come have children in the newborn stage to nine-year-old stage where they still feel like there will be a lot of, they're in the early stages of motherhood pretty much. And they are still working on having their second child their third child. And they are feeling that dissonance into what their body is telling them, their mind is telling them and what's happening on the inside. Most of the moms who come are feeling easily triggered, irritable, same idea of wanting to find themselves, just something feels off. And what I give them is Inside the portal is all of the skills, all of the evidence-based skills. We go module by module. It has five modules. I go module by module, going a little bit deeper into those layers that I mentioned. And the, the best part, the most beautiful part that I keep hearing from the moms who come to the class is the group coaching sessions that we have together Mm -hmm. for six weeks. So they get six of them. And together, we go through the modules. We talk about the feelings that come up, the struggles that keep coming up. I give them suggestions, you know, as a therapist, as a coach, as their mentor. Uh, There's journaling that comes along with every video. And a lot of the women said, I don't know why I didn't start journaling before. The videos are amazing. But the journaling is where I started to get deep and honest with myself. I love that. And something else that I saw along with the mindful mom method that you talk about is removing the noise. And I think that goes along with what you said of like the expectations um, mm-hmm. and listening more to the mom instincts, which I, look, I, I I believe parents have to do with what's best for their families at the end of the day. Um 
the more education we have, I think the better we can do, the more we know, the better we can do, at least you hope so, right? Um, then, you know, what's the quote, um, you know better, you do better type of thing. But can you talk to me about the importance of removing the noise? You're Latin as myself. Um, there are certain things. I mean, I grew up in a spanking house so my parents weren't against it. Um, I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. get spanked all the time, but I was a good girl, putting that in quotes, right? I always, You had to be a good girl to avoid getting spanked. Correct. Um, I mean, my parents did the I mean, they were great parents, but looking back and like, I look at my son and I'm like, geez, you know, like things are different. You hear times are different. And, you know, back in my, so speak on that and how it correlates with removing the noise, having moms tap into their instincts, why that's so important to try and really let go of those expectations, but also the difficulty when it is your mother-in-law, your own mother, your father, the judgments speak on that. Oh my God, that's just so many layers, which is why, (laughs) like I mentioned before, this is not, I'm going to follow a bunch of parenting Instagram or TikTokers and I'll be done. And I know everything I need to know about conscious parenting. No. And I know this because Mm -hmm. I spend all of my weeks and days working with women and men as well who are struggling to find their voice, who are trying to raise secure littles. So what I will say is that before you can have and set limits with your mother-in-law, with your mom, even with your spouse, you need to understand what your limits are and what bothers, what bothers you. So you need to first look inside, find your voice, find that confidence, heal your inner child, which I know Mm. is another word that is out there, but connect with it. For example, one question that I ask my clients when I tap finally into like an age where I know was a difficult age for them, you know, back in the day, I'm like, okay, what would you say to your 18 year old self? Mm. What did she needed to hear? What did she need to hear? Where was she struggling? Yes. And so we need to tap into that. And I may take a session. And then after the session, that may take a lot of checking in because emotions are going to come up. Another common thread that I see is that when you start to realize the dissonance, which means like the disconnect with how you wanted to grow up, how you want to raise your children, and then that's not how you grew up, I find the common pattern that my clients don't want to talk to their parents for a little while. Mm, the the grieving, the anger, a lot of a lot of emotion. The resentment. Yes. yes. They already know this is not what they like. They don't stand up to it. They, it doesn't connect with them. And so then we have to grieve that and develop a new relationship with her parents. Now, if your parent is not willing to have a conversation with you, that's a whole separate story. You have to, I just posted a reel on this yesterday. You have to be so sure of what you're trying to achieve as a parent and why you're choosing to heal and become a different human being because you got to do it for you. You can't even do it for your children. Mm-hmm. You have to do it for you. And and I think the key, one of the things that kind of sticks out to that is that when you are more secure and knowing what you're even about, what you're even looking for, which goes back, I think, to the initial conversation all parents should have. If you're if you're going to procreate with somebody, <laughs> what kind of child? What are we looking? What are we going to do in our household? And all the things, because when that yeah. comes, it can go. Listen, my husband and I were here with everything, and then this little person came, and I took things personally, and you know, it's, it's just different. I realized I didn't like when he raised his voice at him and I didn't like how he handled like all the things. But I think what it also helps with getting clear is that then you also gain the confidence 
to then stand mm-hmm. in your strength in that and say, no, my sister and I have this argument quite often. Probably the biggest thing with our with our parents and not so much anymore because our kids are older, but it was food. Ugh, they were they literally mm-hmm. fell into the quintessential, oh, but they go to grandma and grandpa's to eat the junk, to eat the junk, to eat the junk. I have the same conversation. And we were yeah. arguing all the time. And I had to finally let go and say, okay, it's one day a week, all the things. Thankfully, I I I I, because I know better on the podcast, I learned to talk to my son and not just say, no, you're not going to have candy, but because candy is sugar. Sugar makes you sick, like really having those conversations. And my son, I'm very fortunate that understood early on. Um, and I said, think about how your belly feels after you eat sugar, you know, and making him understand. So we never had too much of a problem with that, but it was still the disrespect, right? The boundaries not being met. Um, but I was very confident in advocating for my son and advocating for even me and my husband, because I was like, no, I know, I know what sugar causes because I had the facts. And I think, and we were get clear of like, no, I, you know, I don't want his immune system now. He's going to school. Like I just laid all of the things. So to your point, I think a lot of times if moms did do that and they got clear and confident, like what kind of, do you want to raise healthy kids? You know, like really just what, what do you want to do? It helps to advocate for yourself better because you know what you're aiming for. And in truth, it also maybe can help give the other person insight, even though we kind of think, well, our grandparents should know, our parents should have common sense. Sometimes, again, people just don't know. So I think you're also educating them, right? Yeah. And, and again, why do grandparents feel that giving them sugar, or in my case, buying them a gift every time <laughs> they see them, and they see them twice a week, and then they're asking why we don't go to Target every week, every day, <laughs> What void or what do they think they are trying to accomplish through buying them things? Is it love? Is it validation? Is it trying to increase the connection? So even giving them ideas as to how else they can do that. You want to buy them things, buy them projects, art projects. Experiences. Experiences. Go to the museum. A big heart no for me is... We don't show them YouTube. If we do, it has to be very intentional and we have to know what we're watching. We don't do iPads here. I have my iPad and the only reason that we use it is on road trips or last year that we went to Spain. Obviously, that was a very long trip. Things like that, but very clear expectations from the beginning. And parents and grandparents have to understand and respect those. and, And we've even had to have conversations as to, what are the dangers of YouTube? Maybe as a grandparent, you do not even know. Correct. Yes. So I think what it takes is being, being okay and learning how to have a real uncomfortable conversation because it's not an easy conversation. And that's one of the things that we learn inside Mindful Mom Method is learn. And it goes back to your question about the instinct also, because this is a skill that will work for a lifetime, even to pass it down to your children. Many of my clients, children and adults, don't know how to label emotions. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to feel emotions. They don't know how emotions feel in their body. Mm -hmm. And emotions are not, oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling disappointed. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling resentful. I'm feeling grief. And I didn't even know that that was grief. Yes. 
Because once you know, it's like anything else, when you know, you can, you can find a remedy to fix that. Okay, I'm disappointed. What would that, yeah. what does that mean? I'm, I'm grieving. Okay, well, it allows you to either fix whatever that is. Yes, I'm very mm-hmm. big with that in my home. I, I had talked to someone and the way she, she kind of flipped it on me and similar to what you said of allowing your kid, because right now our five-year-old, six, like they think the world of us and they kind of listen to the most part. When they get older and they have outside influences, it's a whole nother world, which is what we're trying to build this foundation now for when they have more outside factors and it matters a little more. Um, but she had said, she was like, think of it this way, you know, she was like, um, you want to allow them the space to feel all the feelings and not label good or bad. And it's ha- like you said, happy, disappointed, sad, all of that, because when they do get older and they don't know how to recognize it, they can look for drugs high things to make them feel good because they think, well, I shouldn't feel disappointed. This is a very scary feeling. I don't like it. And if I, I, I don't, it's uncomfortable. Whereas if you let them be comfortable in being sad, frustrated, overwhelmed, and understanding what that is, it allows for as they get older, they're not turning into adults looking for outside factors to make them feel good. Many of the clients, adult clients that I work with also look for love, mm. validation, yes, acceptance. And so they are and end up in relationships that they shouldn't have ended up in the first place. And, and maybe they can be in that relationship, but they have to learn to be a human being. Like it's one plus one. And if you can't be one without that person, it's not going to work. That's putting a lot of pressure on the other person. So, you know, being a human being is not an easy thing, but something to the point that you were saying that if we feel the emotions, we can teach our kids to be with it and sometimes to fix it. We're not, this is very important as parents, we're not going to be able to fix every emotion. Yes. Sometimes the best thing that you can teach your child is to go through the emotion and understand. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a very specific example. My daughter had her first ballet recital. She was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Yet she wanted like the really cute outfit that we bought for her. (laughs) Right. So I'm like, mommy, you know, try it, try it. And we'll see. Cause you're never going to know you're in your head. And I get it. It's scary. It was a real stage. It was a real stage with over a hundred people. It was, it was a theater. Okay. Try it. Try it. I know you can do it. And we'll talk about it after. Okay. She tried it. And then there's this skill that I always use inside my sessions, even of doing an emotion thermometer. Mm -hmm. Okay. What were you feeling? Nervous, scared. She's six. So of course her mom is a therapist. She knows all of the emotions. Okay. Um, Okay, from zero to 10, how scared were you feeling before you went on the show? Like the real show, lights off and everything. Seven, what about during? Seven, what about after? Two. So you see, you can go through the emotion, and I get it. For sure, it was a seven. I mean, maybe I would have been like a 10. Yeah. So this is a conversation that I have with my child and that I even have with adults and that I teach my, my adult clients to have this conversation with themselves and with their children. Yeah. It's so important. And for a busy mom listening to this and it's like, yeah, Cynthia, that sounds great, but I'm a single mom. I have so much going on. What tip? Cause truthfully, that is one of the hardest things is trying to self-regulate our emotions and 
in a fit of when I have the to-do list and I'm like, oh my God, laundry. Oh my God, boy, you have to go to bed because I have to answer these emails. Again, very thankful for my podcast. I'm able to snap and say, Nicole, it's not his fault. I should have did it. And I, I bring my back myself back down. Not all the moms have that. Talk to me about maybe some tips you can give to a busy mom that it's like, I know, Cynthia, I get it and I'm supposed to, but it, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed. How can they begin to start lessening that load? What are you trying to accomplish here as a mom? Mm-hmm. Because I went from being a full-time working mom to being a part-time working mom. And I was able in the last two years to be a part-time working mom still making the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. How can you prioritize what you're trying to accomplish short and long-term? Yeah. Because if you don't do it now, it's going to explode somewhere in your body, somewhere in your child's body, yeah. somewhere in your relationship with your child, somewhere in your relationship with your child, with themselves, it's going to come up. So you either stop now or you stop later. And something I didn't mention is that Back in 2019, I was feeling all of the emotions. I was crying every day. I was yelling Mm -hmm. and being the mom that I did not want to be. Like, I knew that, but I couldn't stop myself. Sure. I couldn't. I had an accident. It was the stupidest accident, but it was very serious. I was taking my son. He wasn't even a year old. He was like two two weeks away from being a year old. I was taking my son out. Uh, at a hotel uh, in a valet. The valet drove off while I was still taking my son out. So my foot got caught and I got a fracture and all of the things. And I couldn't walk. I even had to learn how to walk after six weeks. Yeah, that's a freak accident. That's a real crazy freak accident. Yeah. Yes. People still ask me how I didn't drop my child. And if it wouldn't have been for that accident, I don't know if I would have changed the way that I was parenting or living my life. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so... But I had to. And this is when I started going to therapy, work on all of my shoulds, my coulds. I have to. Yeah. I had to redefine what it meant to be a good, a good enough mom and what it meant for me to be a working mom for right now, for right now. Yes, understanding. I think a lot of times moms get overwhelmed in the grandeur of things. You mentioned social media, very, very also culturally, right? Miami, South Florida, wherever you live, I'm sure you might have that group of moms and you feel I'm going to be judged or whatever the case may be. But you make such a good point of understanding in the space and the season that you're in of motherhood. I think if moms, more moms understood that, like I tell moms now, I'm like, listen, I just started working out again because I was able to. I had to give myself grace and say, okay, I might not be able to get to the gym, but I could walk for 10 minutes. And I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. That that allowed me to have the capacity to say that gives me something. Then it was maybe 15, 20, and I gave myself more. Now my son is obviously sleeping through the night, all the things. I found a trainer that I can do 5 a.m. and it, it's lined. But that's five years later. My son's going to be six. So I tell moms, mm-hmm. it'll come, but you have to find those elements and get it elsewhere and understand the season of motherhood that you're in and not try to do this grand gesture that it has to be always at 100 because that's just unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. Or thinking like this is how it always will be. Uh, I'm not yes. the mom. And yeah, I'm not the mom that I was back in 2019 because my children also grew. I'm not in the same relationship that I was back in 2019 because we're eight years into our marriage. We're in a different financial situation. And something that was in a book that I read recently was uh, plan for your plan to not go according to plan. (laughs) I love it. Yes, (laughs) I love that. It's so true. And that's motherhood. 
Exactly. So this is how conscious parenting can be so releasing because you have to let go of control. You have to be aware of your control. You have, it hits you right in the face. Parenting puts everything right in your face. And it's just so important. While you were saying that of all of the things that we're the busy mom, how much time in a week do you spend TikToking or on Instagram or watching YouTube or hearing a podcast? Yep. Because a lot of moms tell me, I want to do mindful mom, but I don't have the time. Well, let me tell you one thing. We meet once a week for six weeks. You can't schedule 50 minutes for you. Many of the moms that come to the meetings come with their children. They walk in the park. They're in the park. They put their AirPods in. They come in their lunch break and they take their lunch break earlier. They make the time. They prioritize this and themselves for six weeks. So wouldn't you rather not TikTok for an hour and invest in yourself and in your relationship with your children for an hour. And the videos were made by a busy mom. So they're like 10 to 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. And 16 videos. And like you, That's like, what's the investment? It's true. And like you said, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you were like, look, it's either going to be now or, or later and it's going to implode mm-hmm. at some point. At some point it's going to implode. Um, and you, if you're not taking care of yourself, if not, you're not prioritizing what you need to self-regulate to get yourself to where you can then be able to conscious, I think, in a way that needs to be done. Because like you said, it's not something that's going to come just even from like taking us, like it's you're you going to have to work at it and be conscious, <laughs> no pun intended, mm-hmm. at doing it, being mindful of it. Be aware. Yes, yeah. and being aware of it. Um, and I love it, Cynthia. I love it. Um, I want you to talk about specifically the services you provide, how people can work with you. Um, I know you have some great things coming up. So speak on all on all the wonderful things that you have going on. I mean, the current things and how you can easily work with me is you choose your path. Mindful Mom Method was created for the busy mom who maybe also cannot afford to do one-on-one coaching. It is worldwide coaching because I have worked with women from all over the world. And I'm so thankful for that. But at the same time, Mindful Mom Method, you will still get all of the evidence-based skills that you would get with me and the proximity to me in a very small container because I never bring on any more than 10 moms at a time so we can all be vulnerable and have the time. It's a very, very close group. Moms become friends even beyond. Uh, We start together, we end together. That's a fourth of the price of what it would cost to work with me one-on-one. You want to work with me one-on-one to go deeper? Like some of the moms are like, okay, I got the theory. Now I want to work with you individually. Perfect. Then we do that. I meet you where you're at. There's something for everyone. You're not there yet. Get one of my classes that is in my website that it could be an intro of what it means and feels to work with me. So there is an option for everyone's needs and stage of where they are in life. You're not sure, book a connect call and we'll take it from there. But the most important part, because I do also a lot of connect calls, they do all the promises. I want to do this. I want to do this. And then they disappear. Are you really sure you want to do this? Are you committed? And please, please, please act not from how you're feeling right now, but how you want to feel. I love that. That's what's going to get your results. Yes. Can you share how they can connect with you? Obviously, you do virtual you and you work in person, right? So some you do also do in-person events. Yeah. Yes. So speak yes, on that yes. too. Well, I do in-person therapy for Florida clients. Ah, okay. I'm only mm-hmm. licensed yeah. in Florida. So I can do one-on-one in person, but because... Majority of my clients want virtual, and that allows me to reach more people. My in-person 
private therapy, coaching, whatever you want to call it, is very limited. I never take more than 10 clients at a time, commit my, at a week because I'm only one person, yes. okay? And I also do group live or virtual group events. Like tonight, I'm doing one for um, um, a community of moms. They have like a club, so they invited me as a guest. Next week, I'm going to be doing another one for an indoor playground. She wants to do something for her community. Schools also hire me, you know, to talk to the teachers or the parents on everything that we're talking about here. So again, my mission is to help as many caregivers as I can to come to terms with this type of conversation that we're having. I love it. Can you share how they can connect with you online? Where do they follow you, your website? I'll put it in the show notes, but mm-hmm. let's share how they can connect. Yeah, my website is my name, CynthiaEidelman.com. You'll find it in the show notes mm-hmm. so we don't have to yes. spell it right <laughs> here, right now. Yes. My Instagram is at Thera, therapist, Thera.mom, M-O-N. M-O-M, sorry, because I'm a therapist and a mom. And I like to share from my experiences as a mom as well, not only as a therapist. Uh, My Facebook fan page is the same, Theramom. And I think that's all the places. We're going to be adding YouTube and all the things. But for now, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's my website. And you can definitely um, book a connect call through my website as well. I love it. Can you share final thoughts to the podcast community before we part ways? Final thoughts. I think what I just said before, act from where you want to feel. If you're feeling stuck, just know that there is a solution, but you have to be willing to make the time and the investment of time, money, whatever that means for a bigger purpose. I love that. Thank you so much, Cynthia, for coming on, for sharing such amazing tips and strategies. I'm so happy I got a chance to talk to you deeper. I know we will connect in a further way. Um, So I'm, I'm thankful that we connected in this way. Thank you and continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.